It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. The economy is collapsing. Even some of the so-called experts are out there saying there's 100% chance of a recession. Well, you're in a recession. The question is whether there's going to be a depression. We're beyond a recession. We're beyond inflation. We're now at stagflation, which is a combination of the two, which is extremely complex and difficult to get out of. And uh, I would compare our early discussion of this issue several years back with any other host on radio or TV. None of them brought it up, I'm sure. This is something I've been concerned about a long time. I wrote a book about this, Plunder and Deceit, several years back, where we would be headed, and that's where we are. But Joe Biden doesn't have a problem with it. You've heard the let him eat cake. Well, this is the let him eat ice cream. There he is at a Baskin of Robbins in Portland, Oregon. Cut 10, go. One more economic one. Are you concerned about the strength of the dollar right now? I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Can you explain that? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. The internal. Inflation is worldwide. Worse off everywhere else in the United States. So the problem is the lack of economic growth and sound policy in other countries, not so much ours. And that's how it's worldwide inflation that's consequential. He never takes responsibility for his own actions. Never ever takes responsibility for his own actions. We created inflation here in the United States. He did by his spending and his borrowing. He even said that more spending and more borrowing in the last $800 billion the Democrats passed all on their own, and with Manchin in there, that that would reduce inflation. It was a lie. And there he is eating ice cream. Let him eat ice cream. So I want all of you to think about this. If you have somebody in the Oval Office, <coughs> excuse me, cholera. If you have somebody in the Oval Office and a political party that doesn't think you really have much to worry about while you're struggling to make ends meet, who doesn't think you really have much to worry about with energy prices through the roof, even electricity's up 10%. And this winter, home heating oil, And natural gas are going to be almost 40% above last year. 40%. Does this man sound like he's concerned about it? Has he changed course on anything? Not in the least. And his party is of that view too. When it comes to the economy, when it comes to inflation, they broke the economy and they lit a fire to inflation. And they are not going to let your problems on the price of food, the price of gasoline, soon there will be shortages of both. 
of the value of your home, which apparently is plummeting as interest rates go up. They're not going to let your problems, which are really everybody's problems, get into the way of their ideology. Now, that's what he's saying. I'm eating ice cream. Don't bother me. Then there's this jackass, this commie from Vermont, Bernie Sanders, who is a cocky old red, arrogant SOB, and a coward. And a coward. He's never agreed to come on any of my shows because he doesn't want to debate me. None of them do. So here he is on Meet the Press. Now, why would Schmuck Todd have Bernie the Red Sanders on Meet the Depressed? Why? Why? All the candidates out there, others? Because he's promoting them, that's why. Cut 12, go. Senator, do you accept the criticism that the American Rescue Plan passed in, in early 2021 contributed to the current inflation issue we're dealing with now? Now, that's called a softball. What a real reporter would do is lay out what the case is against the plan and give him an opportunity to respond. Not just do you accept the criticism. But listen to this fool. Go ahead. No, I don't. Inflation right now, as I'm sure you know, Chuck, is an international problem. So there we go. It's an international problem. We don't have any control over our fate here in America. So if inflation is an international problem, is unemployment an international problem? No. They say unemployment is low. So when there are benefits, when there's credit to be given, just little bits here and there, they take full advantage of it. But otherwise, they blame somebody else. And it's, and it's constant. You know, it was Putin. It was temporary. Now it's worldwide. And the other week, it was the Republicans, you might recall. Go ahead. In Germany, it is 10%. UK, it is 10%. Canada, it Germany is 7%. Germany and UK are virtually fully socialist economies. Germany and UK. This is the same idiot who's constantly referring to or pointing to Germany and UK when it comes to national health care. Hey, they got national health care all over Europe. Germany, UK, France. See, see how great it is? But now he points to them as, look, they have problems too. This is how they get away from defending their policies. 20 months ago, we didn't have inflation. 20 months ago, we were energy independent. So Germany, that as an economy, that is a small percentage of ours, brought us down. The UK, that has an economy that's even smaller than Germany's, they brought us down. What are they talking about? Go ahead. Inflation globally is caused by the pandemic and the break in supply change. No, it wasn't. Inflation was very low even during the pandemic under Trump. Even during the pandemic. Go ahead. Is uh, caused by, in my view, the war in Ukraine, obviously. Why? Why is inflation caused by the war in Ukraine? Inflation wasn't caused by the war in Afghanistan. 
during the Trump presidency, we didn't have any inflation, not by the war in Afghanistan. You get my point? It's nothing to do with the war in Ukraine. Go ahead. And it is also caused by incredible corporate greed. And I hope now, every- the corporate greed, this is your typical Karl Marx crap. Corporate greed? Did we have corporate greed three, four, five years ago? If we have corporate greed today, I guess we had corporate greed back then. No, it has to do with communist greed by morons like Bernie Sanders. It has to do with Democrat Party greed. It has to do with the federal government greed. Not greed by the capitalists. Whatever that means. I don't know what it means. You want to break the backs of the oil companies? Massive drilling. Massive refining. That's how you do it if you want to do it. But they don't want to do it. I'm just turning the tables on them. More competition, not less. Go ahead. Understands. Then when you go to the gas tank, you fill up your, your, your car today, the oil companies are making huge profits. Here's, here's the thing, folks. The federal government has taken more tax revenue this year than ever before in world history. The federal government, for those who pay taxes, takes about 25 to 30% of your income. And not just you directly, but when you purchase things and so forth from other people. It resonates throughout the economy in a highly negative way. It's the federal government that causes interest interest rates to go up. It's the federal government where you're going to be paying almost $700 billion next year on interest on the debt. It's the federal government giving away your money on student loans. It's the federal government that's opened up our borders so your local communities have to spend a fortune much more than they otherwise would on health care, law enforcement, public education. And he dares to talk about corporate greed. You're going to fill up your gas tank. No, no, you did that, Bernie. And on one side of your communist mouth, you go on and on about capitalism, the combustion engine, fossil fuels, how we need to shut it down. Then when you shut it down, the obvious response is, because the laws of economics are the laws of economics, prices shoot up. And then you blame the very same corporations that opposed your position. That made us energy independent. Congress didn't do that. And that provided a fairly low price for gasoline and oil and all the rest of it and a reliable source. You interfered in the market. You did more to damage you, you jerk. Did more to damage energy in this country, you and your stupid party and your moronic president, than the Chinese, the Russians, the Iranians, all together. But they always have that, that, that foil that they use. The oil companies, the oil companies. It's big oil. It's big pharma. It's big Tampa. It's big baby food. It's big. No, it's you and your big mouth, you jerk. Go ahead. The food companies are making huge profits. They prescription drug, a high pharmaceutical industry making huge See, profits. He ju- he's just he's just burning everything down. Bernie Sanders needs to take responsibility. These are his programs. 
that Biden has latched onto. These are your typical European Marxist programs. Typical European Marxist programs. This isn't new stuff, what they're doing. We're just a few years behind. When you all have to go out to the woods and cut and cut some wood so you can have a you know, a, a, a wood-burning stove or something in your home as we regress under the Democrats. It's just appalling. You know, if you support this, you know, you can vote for this. But if you've had enough of it, you're going to attack it. You're going to have to attack it. Here is Cecilia Rouse, another Biden economic advisor. He has more economic advisors, and they're all stupid. They want responsibility for nothing that they've done. Cut 13, go. Let me point to another data point that excludes food and energy, the so-called core inflation number. Uh, President Biden touted that as a sign that the economy was improving, but now it is on the rise, 6.6%, the highest in 40 years. So by President Biden's own logic, doesn't that show that the economy is actually headed in the wrong direction? So if one looks month on month, it was actually flat. Uh, Somebody looks month to month. It's year to year. Do you know why people look year to year? Because it's over 6% year to year. That's core inflation. In other words, it doesn't even count your food costs and your fuel costs, including energy for your home, for your vehicle, Uh, and including food costs. They look year to year because you don't get paycheck changes with your employer, with your business, month to month. Maybe you get them quarterly, maybe you get them year to year, but typically you don't. And so when you look year to year, you're paying 8.6%, 8.2% more as a consumer and then you look at the core inflation, and the reason you look at the core inflation, it means it's really here to stay for a long time. So month to month doesn't matter. It's flat month to month. This is how they come up with zero. You've never heard another president talk this way. You've never heard other presidential advisors talk this way in the past. That's not how we measure inflation. And so they change the rules. Mark Levin. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. 
making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Echo chamber. So what we've been saying here, and you've been here for the last four to five months, is stop running from this abortion issue. Get your head around it. And do not let the Democrats define it. Don't let them create the narrative. Their position is so extreme, it's not, it's not embraced by countries except like North Korea and China. It's not embraced by a single civilized nation. Not one. The Democrats voted for a bill that places absolutely no limits on abortion. None whatsoever. Destroys every regulation in every state. Eliminates parental notification. That is a radical extremist pro-death position. It's why it's not covered by the media. It's why they never asked Dr. Fauci or any of the other doctors who, who dance across the media stage. When does life begin? When does life begin? We know it begins well before abortion in the last trimester. So this isn't even a fight over Roe v. Wade. The Democrats have left that far behind. Where they're in control of state governments, their position is abortion with no limits. And those of you who are mothers, who know what it's like to give birth, the final days before giving birth, right before giving birth, is that a baby? Now you know it. The science says it's a baby. The science says it a ba- it's a baby. The Democrats support not only killing that baby in a gruesome, gruesome way, which is why you never see the graphics or any documentaries on this subject ever, despite all the deaths that occur. But it's never discussed, except here. This message has gotten across, I believe, to a lot of people who are really thinking about this. Not only do the Republicans need to win, the Democrats need to lose. You do realize if the Democrats have 51 members in the Senate and even hold the House by one or two votes, they will kill the filibuster and they will push through what they call the codification of Roe. It's not the codification of Roe. Roe didn't go that far. It's the codification of murdering babies, human beings, that no civil society has ever embraced. None. And I've been making another point. The Democrats say they care about Women having control over their own bodies. But they really don't. They don't support women having control over their own bodies. Rapes in this country are at a record high. Particularly in areas where the Democrats rule. Cities, metropolitan areas. Rape is a horrific, 
violent, often deadly act against a woman. So what are the Democrats doing about it? No cash bail. In the front door, out the back door. Defund or slash the funding for police. Makes it kind of hard to catch rapists, let alone stop rape. Light sentences. They don't support protecting a woman's body. They don't support it at all. Let alone anybody else's body. This is a party that is driven by ideology. It's driven by the lowest common denominator. It's not a policy that makes America strong, prosperous, free, independent, and vigorous. It's the opposite. Here we have energy independence, something we've been striving for for 80 years. We get there under Donald Trump. They blow it up. Not only do they blow it up, those who are responsible for making energy independence, the oil companies, small, medium, and large, including independents, who invented fracking, found a way truly to get to natural gas in a way that is clean. They're immediately attacked. There's a whole propaganda campaign funded in part by the Russians to attack our industries, our genius, our progress, and they shut it down. They shut it down. What the Democrats used to say is capitalism and the ingenuity that goes with it is not capable of creating prosperity. Now they say it creates too much prosperity. It pollutes. Yet we have the cleanest air of any major industrialized nation on the face of the earth. But the facts don't get in the way, neither do the science. We've never had so much anarchy on our southern border in the history of this country. Never. We've never had so much anarchy, crime, inhumanity going on in our southern border, ever. Half the people crossing the southern border aren't from Central and South America. They're from continents far away. Continents far away. This is in effect, listen carefully, amnesty. This is never voted on by Congress. Quite the contrary. Congress voted laws in place to prevent it. Joe Biden is violating each one. I have good friends, Stuart Varney, Kilmeade, Brian Kilmeade, and they say it'd be a terrible mistake, terrible, terrible mistake if the Republicans start to impeach Joe Biden. And I would say to my two friends, you're dead wrong. You are dead wrong. Some things you do because they're right and they have a necessary impact. The only way you can get a president to enforce the law isn't to just keep winning elections. That's important. But it's to punish him as the Constitution provides. 
The Democrats used impeachment at the drop of a hat. They even used it against ex-President Donald Trump, who'd already left office. It's not a matter of getting even, although an eye for an eye isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's good enough for for the Lord. It's good enough for me, Mr. Producer. But that's not even what I'm talking about. Is there anything in this country that's going right? That the Biden administration, that the Democrats don't have their DNA and fingerprints on? What is it exactly? This is a party that a hundred years ago supported eugenics. This is a party that supported eugenics. Including against black people. This is a party that promoted the sterilization of 60,000 Americans, which was upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court in the 1920s. Sterilization against the will of the people who were sterilized. This is a party under Woodrow Wilson that resegregated the federal bureaucracy. if their two prior Republican presidents had desegregated and resegregated the military. Did you know that? This is a party under Franklin Roosevelt. The Democrats will tell you, look, he created Social Security, he created Medicare, he created this, he created, not Medicare, he created... uh, all these programs and LBJ created Medicare and the Republicans opposed it. Let me tell you something. Bismarck in Germany created Social Security, so it really doesn't matter who created it. But he's also the president who refused to support anti-lynching bills. How many black people out there know that? Don't you find it odd? That you weren't told this? This is the president who under existing immigration numbers could have brought hundreds of thousands of Jews into this country from the Third Reich. But he refused to. How many Jews know that? This is a president who sent 120,000 Japanese Americans, 70,000 of whom were citizens, into internment camps, rounded up by the United States military, military order 9066, upheld by the Supreme Court in the Korematsu case, moved them to 10 internment camps, nine of which were in the Midwest, one was in Arkansas, and took their property from them. You aware of this? There was no evidence that any of them were spies. That's the great Franklin Roosevelt. And Franklin Roosevelt was so bad on these issues. Not Eleanor. Eleanor was pretty good, but she wasn't president. Franklin Roosevelt, because he was very concerned about how he would be viewed by the southern racists in his party. He wanted a third term, which had never happened before. Roosevelt's first pick to the U.S. Supreme Court 
was Justice Black, Hugo Black, Hugo Black, who'd served as the lawyer for the Klan in Alabama, got elected to the Senate, fought the anti-lynching bill, was one of Roosevelt's closest allies because he supported Roosevelt's socialist economic agenda. He was Roosevelt's first appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court. Had been a member of the Klan. The great heroes of the Democrat Party. Lyndon Johnson. Voted against every civil rights bill up until 1957 when he decided he might want to run for president. Been in the Senate a long time and in the House. He'd been the Democrat majority leader. And he worked closely with the segregationists. Eisenhower was pushing the 1957 Civil Rights Act. People ask me, what do you do, Mark, on your free time? This is what I do. I read, I study, I learn. LBJ said, that law is not going to pass unless you water it down. He had to water it down, Eisenhower. He didn't want to. So it passed. And LBJ could point to his great success. And even with the 64-65 Civil Rights Act, 65, the Voting Rights Act, LBJ was a racist his entire life. The N-word. Can you imagine what media and media matters would say? Of course, they'd say nothing because FDR is beloved by them. Every other sentence out of his mouth, he used the N-word. He was a bigot, pure and simple. And yet he pushed these bills, but without the Republicans, he never would have gotten any of them passed. Why? Because the Democrats in the House and the Senate were blocking it, especially in the Senate. And in 1964, one of the Democrats leading the filibuster against the 70-day filibuster against the 1964 Civil Rights Act was also a former Klansman by the name of West Virginia, named Robert Byrd. He made a last-ditch, desperate effort for 14 and a half hours on the floor of the Senate. Finally, they gave up 70 days. Byrd would be rewarded. He would become the Senate leader of the Democrat Party. In the 70s, he would become their minority leader and their majority leader, Robert Byrd. I can go on further about the Democrat Party. It's an echo chamber, so I'm hoping the backbenchers pick it up, whether they pick it up today, tomorrow, or a hundred years from now. The echo chamber. You got to make decisions this election and think about it. Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Early voting in Atlanta, a historic record. They've never had so many people vote on the first day of early voting. As far as history can tell, as far as records go. And yet I have in front of me one headline after another from last year. March and April, in which the media are trashing the Georgia state legislature, which is Republican, in which 
The Attorney General of the United States is trashing the Georgia legislature and bringing a lawsuit in violation, he says, of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, in which one corporation after another signed a letter condemning the Republican Georgia legislature, in which Joe Biden talked about Jim Eagle, meaning that this was worse than Jim Crow. And more people have voted in the first day of early voting in Atlanta than any time in modern history since early voting. All the talk about Republicans wanting voter suppression. All the talk about those racist Republicans, throwbacks to the 1960s. They don't want people voting. When will the rest of the country catch up with the rest of us? And understand what cynical liars, what pathological liars the Democrats are. Starting at the top with Biden, but working its way all the way down to local officials. Now, what are they going to say about this at CNN? What are they going to say about this at MSNBC? The New York Times, the Washington Post, ABC, NBC. CBS, what are they going to say about this at Major League Baseball, Coca-Cola, and several hundred other corporate cowards and leftists? The fact is, all the legislature was trying to do was to make sure the vote is secure and the cheaters can't cheat. Nothing to do with race, nothing to make it harder to vote. If you want to vote, and people are voting. You had newspapers all the way up the East Coast into New England. You had NewJersey.com. You had newspapers throughout the state of California and the rest of the country because they're all left-wing quacks. You had PBS, NPR. Everybody threw in the Brennan Center and this center and that center. One think tank after another think tank. All liars. All liars. How many more times are we going to go through this, America? Where these people drag us into their hell that they create. Because it's going on and on and on. The Huffington Compost. Go ahead, Google them. It's one after another. They just trashed and trashed and trashed. You have Fortune, you have AP, you have Reuters, you have Vox, Yahoo, so many others, so many others. And you're not going to hear squat from one of them. It's just like covering up the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, they'll get to it maybe in a year. They'll squirt out a little story here and there, and that'll be the end of it. These people lie and lie and lie about everything. January 6th. Dizzy Lizzie Cheney and the rest, self-righteous buffoons. Well, maybe we ought to remember January 6th, Mr. Producer. Maybe we should remember January 6th. What about January 6th, 2005? 
Do you remember that? What happened on January 6, 2005? Benny Thompson is the chairman of the Stalinist January 6 Pelosi committee. And they desperately want to subpoena Trump and create a criminal situation. Uh, They're trying to litigate Trump to death. They're trying to leak against Trump to death. And of course, this January 6th committee has one purpose, to try and prevent Donald Trump from getting his good name back and from running for office and to damage the Republicans. January 6th. But what happened on January 6th, 2005? Benny Thompson should know. He's the chairman of this committee now. The media know. But they don't talk about it. Byron York picked up on it at the Washington Examiner. The 2004 presidential election was a relatively close one. George W. Bush won re-election with 286 electoral votes. The Democratic challenger, John Kerry's 251. The vote counting went into the night and into the early morning of November 3. It all came down to Ohio, which had 20 electoral votes. If Ohio went for Bush in 2004, he would win a second term. If Ohio chose Kerry, he would win the White House. Exit polls show Kerry with a solid lead in Ohio. Many Democrats and some of the press, too, simply assumed that would be the final result. And Mr. Producer, you remember those, those exit polls where they had Kerry had 16 points in Pennsylvania and I was on the air? You remember what I said? That's not possible. They were wrong, way wrong about Pennsylvania, Ohio. In fact, they all admitted later, the the pollsters, they didn't get it right. But that didn't stop the Democrats. In the early evening, Robert Shrum, Kerry's top advisor, famously said to the candidate, may I be the first to say, Mr. President, that Kerry's lead, if it ever existed, didn't last as the count continued. Bush took the lead and won Ohio by roughly 51 to 49 percent. In the end, he prevailed with more than 100,000 votes in the state. Then something odd happened. Democratic activists claimed that Bush had cheated. First, they accused Republicans of suppressing the vote. But of course, that wasn't really new. They always accused Republicans of suppressing the vote. Then they blamed the GOP for long lines at some polling places. Then came what today would be called the crazies. Some Democrats began to embrace theories that electric voting machines had secretly switched votes from Kerry to Bush. There was much discussion amplified on the Internet in those pre-social media days about the machine maker Diabold and the allegedly secured flaws in its machines that made them susceptible to hacking. Some Democrats in Congress joined the speculation. The leader among them was the late Representative John Conyers, who's been replaced with Talib who started an investigation of the allegations less than one month after the election. On December 8, 2004, Conyers held a forum on the Ohio situation. It was filled with suspicion and speculation about the election. Maybe the CEO of Diabold, a Bush supporter, manipulated his machines to throw the election for the president. Maybe Ohio Republican Secretary of State, an African-American, Kenneth Blackwell, a major villain in Democratic circles, rigged the process in favor of Bush. Maybe it was both. 
There were two categories of fraud in the Ohio election. Cliff Arnbeck, a top official of Common Clause Ohio, told Conyers. The first was the open and conspicuous fraud. The second was the hidden fraud that can only be disclosed by careful investigation. And it is this fraud, when you look at the statistical analysis, he said, you see these anomalies, these statistical anomalies that can only be explained by forms of computer manipulation that would be conspicuous to election officials that are a direct attack on the integrity of our election process. And we have considerable evidence that that's what took place. I don't think he was ever sued. Well, there was nothing to it. But some Democrats adopted arguments like that. They thought statistical anomalies, so-called, explained the Ohio results. They began to call their cause election integrity. And those Democrats became more, not less, suspicious as time passed. And January 6, 2005, the date that Congress would count the electoral votes approached. A group of Democrats decided to challenge the certification of Ohio's 20 electoral votes, a move that, if successful, could switch the election from Bush to Cheney. They objected using the Electoral Count Act. Hmm. The now familiar 19th century law that requires a member of the House to rise in objection to the vote of a particular state and then to enlist support of at least one senator for the objection to go forward. In 2001, when the Congressional Black Caucus protested Bush's victory in Florida, his first victory, they didn't have a senator to go along with them. But this time in 2005, downing Democrats did. I seek to object to the electoral votes of the state of Ohio on the ground that they were not under all the known circumstances regularly given. And I do have a senator, the late Stephanie Tubbs-Jones, Democrat Ohio, said on the floor. The senator, Tubbs-Jones, had enlisted was Senator Barbara Boxer of California. Under the Electoral Count Act, both houses of Congress then retreated to their separate places to debate the objections to Ohio's count. There were no other senators that would join Boxer. The final vote was 74 to 1 against the Ohio challenge in the Senate. The 25 senators who didn't vote didn't show up because they viewed this as a ceremonial session. But in the House, it was a different story. Tubbs-Jones had allies, not enough to win, but enough to mount a serious protest. And what happened? When the vote was taken, 31 House Democrats voted against recognizing Ohio's electoral votes. Whatever they said about the protest, the fact was they voted against certifying the electoral votes that made the difference in the 24 presidential election. In other words, they wanted to overturn the results. And Benny Thompson the time, he was beginning his seventh term in the House and had become the ranking member of the Homeland Security Committee. He's becoming an influential member of the House, although not an influential as his colleague, Representative James Clyburn, now the third-ranking Democrat in the House, who voted against certifying Ohio's votes, who voted to prevent George W. Bush, his re-election in 2004. But Thompson joined the protest, too that would have overturned a presidential election had it succeeded. He was one of the 31. He was one of the 31. And now you can see, ladies and gentlemen, where the Republicans got the idea in the first place. They didn't start this. The Democrats did. The Democrats did. So as you can see, it is they who are evil. It is they who wanted to overturn an election. 
Now, to the best of my knowledge, none of these people have been under criminal investigation for what they did. And let me tell you something. They tried to pull it in 2000. As you'll see in a moment, they did pull it in 2004. And then in 2016, they tried a different tact. That Russia had elected Donald Trump. They tried to stop Bush twice. They tried to stop Trump twice. The first time they failed. Now, I'm bringing this up because when the Democrats talk about election deniers, like climate change deniers, like Holocaust deniers, they're trying to keep create the impression that the Republicans are anti, their word, democracy. You hear reporters asking every Republican running for office, do you accept the last election results? Do you or don't you? You don't ever hear them ask. Well, you Democrats, did you accept the election of George Bush either time? No, you didn't. And leading Democrats said it over and over again, from Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton to Hillary Clinton to Nancy Pelosi, over and over again. That's what they said. The election deniers are the Democrats. Let me remind you of one other thing. And that is... Up to the election in 2020, up to that date, the Democrats brought some 300 lawsuits to change the election rules in key states. To change the election rules in key states in violation of the federal constitution. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. So they're bringing out Obama to go on the campaign trail. People are giving the stiff arm to Biden. Can't blame them. Can't blame them. People are locking up their little girls whenever Biden shows up. Puts his hands on their shoulders, sniffs their hair. Media is okay with that. They're not going to bring out Kamala Harris. She's dumber than than, uh, Biden. So they're going to bring out Obama. And what's that going to get them? How many seats did the Democrats lose under Barack Obama when he was president? You have any idea, folks? Federal and state. Governorship, state legislatures. Over 1,000. Remember that? Obama, while he was president, the Democrats lost over 1,000 seats. This is the way the Daily Wire reported on this six years ago. The AP has finally faced the reality of the presidency of Barack Obama and the Obama coalition that swept him into office. What worked for Obama just did not work for his party. And boasting about his tenure in the White House, Barack Obama often cites numbers like these. 15 million new jobs, 4.9% unemployment rate, 74 months of consecutive job growth, writes the AP. There's one number you will almost never hear, more than 1,030 seats. That sobering number is the total of all of the seats, including Congress, state legislatures, and governorships. Lost by the Democratic Party over Obama's two terms. Collapsed. Collapsed. Now, when you're pulling out Obama, 
who has some kind of a worldwide record for political losses in his party. Because Biden's worse, they think, and Kamala Harris is even worse than him. I think you have a problem. I just think you have a problem. Now, on the Republican side, I notice, Mr. Producer in America, Mitch McConnell's not in great demand, is he? I mean, let's be honest, folks. What's Mitch McConnell going to say on the on the campaign trail? Nobody wants to hear him either. It's got me to thinking. Do you realize how decrepit the leadership, quote-unquote, is in Washington, D.C.? People who can barely function? How much you want to bet? How much you want to bet between Biden, Pelosi, McConnell, and even Schumer, he's close to 80, I suppose, that they uh, blow out the uh, Depend sales at, uh, at the local supermarket. How much you want to bet? It's crazy, a country like this, that has people like this supposedly leading it. Leading it. All right, so anyway, I wanted to put to rest this idea that, oh, here comes Obama, so now we're going to win seats. Now, here comes Obama, and the Republicans should thank God that Obama's going to be on the campaign trail. Hopefully, Michelle will be there, too. I think the base, the conservative base, will turn out even bigger. Oh, not him, too. Not her, too. Oh, my God, I can't take it. I want to talk about something that's not being talked about much. China, of course, it's being talked about much, but not what I want to talk about respecting China. Wall Street Journal, China's military is catching up to the U.S. Is the U.S. ready for battle? Something we've been talking about for years. And then the Wall Street Journal the other day, the Pentagon's recruiting woes. America, when you hollow out America, our energy, our energy is the source of all progress, frankly. The economy can't function properly. When you are at war internally with our military, focused on bizarre, perverse, ideological ends, rather than on the purpose of a military, you weaken a country. Joe Biden and the Democrats have weakened our military from within. They've weakened our national security, and not just our southern border. We're not spending the kind of money we need to spend on our military. And the Chinese are outdoing us. Not because they're smarter and better. It's because the Democrats are stupid. The People's Liberation Army is emerging as a crude competitor. But Beijing worries about the ability of its troops, the Wall Street Journal writes. China's military is emerging as a true competitor to the U.S. under Xi Jinping. 
The People's Liberation Army now has hypersonic missiles that evade most defenses. Technology the U.S. is still developing. Its attack drones can swarm to paralyze communication networks. China's naval ships outnumber America's. And it launched its third aircraft carrier this summer, the first to be designed and built in its country. Its defense budget is second only to the U.S. Now, the reason it's second to the U.S. is they don't have to pay the kind of monies that we pay. We've been all volunteer military and so forth. They don't have a volunteer military. You join the military with a pistol at your head. China's military has more serving members at around 2 million, compared with under 1.4 million in the U.S. The question for Mr. Xi, which he has raised in public, is whether those forces are ready for battle. This is a bizarre sentence following the prior paragraph. Hypersonic missiles don't have to be ready for battle, quote-unquote. They're ready to be fired. But I'll go on. China hasn't fought a war since a brief border clash with Vietnam in 1979. Unlike American forces who have fought for most of the past two decades in Iraq and Afghanistan, China's service members have virtually no combat experience, which some Chinese leaders have referred to as a peace disease. And finding a solution short of actual war has been a priority for Mr. Xi, especially as he seeks to prepare the country for a potential showdown with the U.S. We must comprehensively strengthen military training and preparation and improve the Army's ability to win, Mr. Xi said on Sunday at the opening of the Communist Party's twice-a-decade Congress. The issue has become more pressing for Beijing as tensions build with Taiwan, which China sees as part of its territory. It has been, quote-unquote, part of the Chinese territory for well over 100 years, by the way. The complete unification of the motherland must be realized, and it will be realized, he said, drawing a lot of applause from the stooges and seals in his audience we put there. Taiwan reported few sorties by the Chinese Air Force close to the island before 2020. It says they have reached more than 1,200 so far this year alone. Beijing state media reported an increase in more qualified recruits to the PLA after Pelosi's visit. China's political priorities mean that around 40% of new recruits' training has involved studying about the Communist Party rather than learning how to be a service member. Leaders, some of whom see young Chinese as pampered products of the country's one-child policy, question whether they're tough enough. An effort to make China's different military branches work more closely together remains untested. What is the Wall Street Journal trying to say here? That the communist Chinese don't know if their troops can fight? Perhaps the authors of this piece are unfamiliar with the Korean War. Where the communist Chinese actually did fight. They did pour over the border. Perhaps they're not familiar with that. And perhaps they're not familiar with the fact that we just withdrew, surrendered in Afghanistan in a humiliating loss 
that I believe our top brass is weaker than ever before, starting with the Secretary of Defense, Milley, and the others. How many of them have experienced as active generals in an all-out war? None of them. Zero. But if the article is saying, and I don't think it is, that red-blooded Americans are better fighters than enslaved communist Chinese, I agree with that. That's why they deserve the best armaments. That's why they deserve the biggest military buildup. That's why they deserve to make sure that they will be properly backed, led, and can function in a war. Because all things being equal, at this point, no, the communist Chinese won't beat us. You ready, Mr. Producer? I don't hear you, Mr. Producer. The Marines! We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. I'm going to do my best to explain how the Republicans often surrender even before the first day of majority control. Not to dispirit you, but so we are poised to deal with this. The problem with electing the Democrats is they're ready. They're ready to go because it's not hard to destroy things. It's not hard to burn them down. Uh, It's much harder to build things. They are effectively, the Democrats, the nonviolent rioters. Rioters. The nonviolent rioters of our government. 
They are committed to dismantling this society. Everything they do is intended to dismantle this society. From women's sports to the definition of women, to American history, and on and on and on down the list, you know the list. Bill of Rights. The Republicans have a different issue. They desperately want to quote-unquote govern. Govern what? Well, the government, the country. They are not as passionately committed to freedom as the Democrats are passionately committed to tyranny. And so you get statements like, the American people don't want impeachment, so I don't see us impeaching Biden or Mayorkas or anybody else for that matter. Have you ever heard the Democrats speak that way? They are plotting before day one to cripple a Republican administration. The Republican leadership, they don't mind embarrassing a few Democrats or having a few hearings and this sort of thing, passing legislation that won't get through. But they're not as serious about clawing back our liberty as the Democrats are in clawing it away from us. This is a huge problem. I confess it's a huge problem. And yet for the first time ever, I've said vote Republican no matter what. In order to stop the Democrats from clawing away more of our freedom. Now that doesn't guarantee that it won't be clawed away. In the natural course of things, if the Republicans don't fight back. But we don't have a chance. Because the Democrats move fast now. Revolutions tend to be slow. This counter-revolution is moving very quickly. Because the constitutional barriers to limited government have been breached. They've been breached by the courts, including the Supreme Court. They've been breached by administration after administration with executive orders and this massive leviathan of a federal bureaucracy that passes laws every day, and you're not even aware of it without representing you or me or even consulting us. Some Republicans say, I took the position that these impeachments against Trump were illegitimate. I can't now say that we would use them. Then they've lost their way. Joe Biden has violated the Constitution. We have a disaster on the southern border as a result. There's only one way to draw the body politic, to respond to what he's doing. It's not just appearing on my show or other shows. The Senate leadership on the Republican side has been utterly impotent. If the Republicans in the Senate become the majority, it'll be because of you, people like you, people like me behind a microphone and a TV camera. It won't be because of the Republican leadership. You don't hear from McConnell. That's a good thing. Except he's spending a fortune in Alaska to destroy the conservative because he wants a lapdog 
Lisa Murkowski. They don't have a message. We have a message. We the people. We want to stop the Marxists, the Democrats. And so just like with the Tea Party, if the Senate turns Republican, in the case of the Tea Party, the House, what will happen? Well, the Republicans will take credit for it. The Republicans will take credit for it. And then they will do whatever they can in many ways, to distance themselves from us. I'm aware of this. I'm not blind to this. But first things first, this has to be done in stages, if it's to be done at all. We have to stop the internal enemies of America who hate this country, who hate so many of you, who hate your lifestyle, and seek to impose on you and me and everybody else their ideological images of what should be paradise while they empower and enrich themselves. We have to stop that. And we have to stop it now, dead in its tracks, or it's going to be too late. Nothing will matter. And then immediately after that, should we, God willing, Take the House and the Senate. You won't find me doing what so many TV and radio hosts and others will do. Pat themselves on the back. Have a party. Give speeches. No. No. We expect the people we vote for to deliver just as the Democrats expect the people they vote for to deliver. The difference is we want liberty delivered and they want tyranny delivered. And we expect these institutions that have been perverted and devoured by the Marxist left to be held to account. In fact, we demand it. We expect a lawless president to be held to account. In fact, we demand it. We expect the precedent that was used by the January 6th committee in the impeachment process that was put in place by Nancy Pelosi. We expect those processes to serve as actual precedent going forward. Or we cannot survive. We can't play tiddlywinks and marbles while the other side is using political bazookas. It doesn't work that way. I've given you an example in the past. Some of you may remember, some of you may not know what I'm talking about, so just briefly... In the late 70s, a law was passed called the Independent Counsel Act. It was an unconstitutional law, but the Supreme Court upheld it. The only justice to vote against it was Antonin Scalia. 
It assigned powers to the judiciary that the judiciary should never have. It violated separation of powers. Long story short, an individual could be appointed by a special division court under the statute to investigate a president or presidential appointees, individuals at a high level. The various elements of the statute were met, and it would be triggered. That statute was used to try and destroy Ronald Reagan. That statute was used to launch the so-called Iran-Contra investigation. That statute was used against various cabinet officials in the Reagan administration. Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, Secretary of Treasury, and the Attorney General of the United States. It was used by the Democrats to try and destroy Republican administrations. Then Bill Clinton was elected president. And the statute applied to him. And it ensnared Bill Clinton in at least a half a dozen federal investigations. Most led by Ken Starr. As Janet Reno did not want separate independent counsel. She sort of just packaged these things one after another. And assigned them to Ken Starr who was the independent counsel at the time. After that was done, the very Democrats who wrote the bill, the late Carl Levin of Michigan, and Barney Frank, you may have remembered Barney, in uh, Massachusetts, sued for peace. I don't mean they went to court, but they sued for peace. What did they do? They let the law lapse. The the law had a built-in lapse period if Congress didn't reestablish it. They led the charge to let it lapse because it had been used against their precious Bill Clinton. If the Republicans today don't learn from that, if the Republicans today do not use the tools and the instrumentalities that the Democrats used to try and take out a sitting president, to try and take out Republican members, to use against innocent Americans, then they will fail us and the country. They will fail us and the country. They need to understand that they are not to play to the press. They need to understand That it is not righteous to allow Americans to be abused and the the legal system to be abused. And don't wrap yourself in we the people and say the people don't want. The people want their country back. And if you should win in the House and the Senate... We expect you to do more than pass spending bills and borrowing bills and lame bills. We expect you to do something about the economy, about the border, about all of it. But we expect you to do something about our 
our liberty. And we'll be monitoring you very, very, very closely behind this microphone. Friend or foe, it won't matter. <laughs> 